in another prop, uh, parable, it is not the one I was intending to go to. Is actually working on things for the uh, parable of the talents and looking at the differences between the one we just looked at and this one. When you get to the parable of the talents, you will notice that right before the parable of the talents comes the parable of the ten virgins. I looked at this and I was confident. I said, you know what, we can skip that. I've taught on that before. If anybody's interested in it, we'll just, uh, I'll give them the, I'll, I'll find the link to it and they can go back up there and, and hear that thing. And as we we're going on through, so now we got to get into a little, little bit of it. So I had it all planned out that I was going to get into a little bit of the parable of the ten virgins and then go on to the parable of the talents, but that's not going to happen. So around yesterday afternoon, I finally just decided to, to, uh, Go with it in this way. Um, Sometimes, whenever you get into the, whenever I get into the Word of God, I'm looking for, all right, where's the hand of God on this? And sometimes, I I love the passage, but I just don't have the hand of God on it. And I have to move on to to something else. And other times, I keep being drawn back to something that I I don't feel yet. And then I keep being drawn back, and all of a sudden, oh, that's what we're supposed to get into. And then I can see the hand of God on that. So we're going to stay here on this one. And we gave you an introduction up on Facebook for those who went up there and saw it. But all of us have people around who go through life less prepared than you are. How many have people in your life that are less prepared for life than you are? We all have those those folks that are around. And they ask for help. Right? They come on up and they need Because they know you're more prepared. You have more stuff. You have more things put away. You have more things made ready. You have for, if they need help with something, they know you're more prepared. You have more time. You have more uh, resources. And so they ask for you for, for help. And so many times we give them the help, even though we don't feel like we should, we don't feel like it's actually going to help. Or, how about this one? We just don't want to. Come on, have you ever been there? People asking you for help, and you're just saying, I don't want (laughs) to. I do not want to do this. And most times we hear that, I don't want to. You tell me if you're there. Most times that we hear that inside ourselves, I don't want to. We try and put our flesh down. Right? I'm just being carnal. I'm not being spiritual. I'm not being godlike. I need to get over there and to help these people out. And so we go on over and we help them out. Is it always God to help? Now, there's lots of opinions on this. But I want to find out what does the Word of God teach on this, this idea. So, last week we were looking at the minus. We're not going to review that too much because that ties in real close with what we have in the talent. So we'll cover that more next time. But here, Matthew 25. And some of the things didn't uh, quite get changed, so it's not, we're not actually covering verses 1 through 30. We are covering, I think it's verses 1 through 13. You can make that change at the top if you want to. But here in the setting, the parable before this is about the faithful and the unfaithful servants and the ones who were doing the things they were supposed to do when the Master came and the ones who were not. It was pertaining to faithfulness. This one is, prepare, is talking about being ready. And it has more to do with inward character than anything else. The time frame here is the end time. Because if you go back into Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25 exist because of three questions the disciples asked. Remember what they were? When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And... Of the end of the age. Because of those questions, we have what comes here in Matthew and also elsewhere. But that's what we're going to take a look at Matthew here right now. Let's take a look at this parable. He gave this parable in response to what they had to say. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, how many remember a video teaching we put up there for the Monday video post that we did? Rick Renner teaching, and he came in with the lamps. How many saw the lamps? How many did not see the lamps? Shame on you. 
We will pray for your salvation. No, you're, you're all right. That was a wonderful teaching by Brother Rick. If you need to uh, know which one it was, it was well worthwhile to see. That was the one I told you. Watch the video on this because it was important to see what he was doing in the video, especially when he got to these lamps. Now, I, those of you who saw it, you have a picture of what those lamps are. Those lamps, what, the way you had those lamps, those lamps had a source of oil in the lamp. But it wasn't that big. But there was a source of oil there. So it says here, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. If you look at Weist, Weist translates verses 2 and 3 this way. Now five of them were without forethought or wisdom and five were prudent. Five were without forethought or wisdom. Do you know people that are without forethought and wisdom? Yep. Absolutely. Now, when I was a young lad, that was me. I had no forethought. My parents, my mom, dad, they would often say to me, you do things without thinking what will happen next. This is why Lamar and I get along so well. <laughs> we don't care what happens next. We care what happens now. And right now, I want to go there. It might be dangerous. Don't matter. I want to go there. And so I would go there. I would do these things. And uh, we would handle the problems that came about afterwards. And I would drive my parents crazy on that. She had always hoped that I would have a child who would be just like that. Now, Christian had a lot of daring in him, but it was mixed with some forethought and some caution. She was so mad at that. She said, it's not right. You should have had one just like you. <laughs> now, five of them were without forethought or wisdom and five were prudent. For those without forethought and wisdom, having taken their torches, did not take with themselves oil. They didn't take any. They didn't have any forethought. didn't have any wisdom. They just were going. We're leaving. Now, in this parable, we have, of course, the bridegroom. We have the ten virgins that are in here. The ten virgins, we see that number come up again. I told you before the, some of the things that ten represent in the Bible. I think I left one out, though. One of the things that ten does also do is represent testing. You will find times that the number ten was used for testing in the, in the Bible. Now, the bride is implied, but never mentioned. The bride's around. She's there. You have a bridegroom. You have a bride. But she's not really mentioned. She's not really a big part of this. This parable right here. The lamp. You use a lamp. And gets one, it guides one on the way through darkness. This is what helps you get through darkness is a lamp. It holds, as we said, a small amount of oil. And it represents the Word. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. A light unto my path. But there's something else that gives us wisdom. From the Word of God. That is His Spirit. There's a lot of people who have the Word of God. There's a lot of people who quote the Word of God. There's a lot of people who have the Word of God memorized. There's a lot of people who step out and they'll say, well, the Word of God says this. And sometimes they'll even say what they think the Word of God means, but you can tell there's no wisdom there. They don't have the understanding. Just because you have the Word doesn't mean that you have the light of the Word. If you do not have the Word with the Spirit... You will not have light. There are many people who have the Word in their life, but the Spirit is not with them. They don't lean upon the Spirit to understand the Scriptures. Therefore, they come out with no light. You hear some of the things they say, well, the, I feel like the Word of God leading me this way, or the Word of God teaches me to do this, and you think, no, no, it doesn't. Because, you see, you have the Spirit of God mixed in with it, and the Spirit of God gives you the understanding of that scripture. They don't have that. Now the oil, that's what keeps the lamp burning. That oil, if you don't have that oil, that lamp's not going to keep burning. It's eventually going to run out. That's why we have to have the, the Holy Spirit and that's fresh supply of the Holy Spirit constantly coming in. Because just like the lamp, you have to constantly be adding to the lamp to get the light from it. 
That example that they give, you can't use any modern day example. You got to go back to the example that they used. The lamp that they had, it constantly needed to be filled. You couldn't just fill it. You had to constantly refill it. You had to have a supply of oil nearby and keep filling the lamp so that the lamp would stay lit. Now, once you know that, it's kind of the best thing I can give you for an example is we become very dependent on our phones and we kind of depend on getting through the day as well as the night with the phone. If you have a phone that is a very weak battery and that battery won't last long, you will then carry what? Charger or a portable power supply. Something that you can plug in that phone to that charge it up and give you a little boost uh, along the way just to, to help you out. That's what you that's what you need to do. Have these particular things. And they've got all kinds of stuff. You know they make chargers now. You know you can slip in your pocket. I saw one you can put in your wallet. Just slip it in your wallet and then if you run out of stuff you can just pull that sucker. It's like a credit card. And you can actually plug that into your phone. It's got all the cores there right with it. And it won't charge it up a whole lot but it'll charge it up a little bit. It's just an emergency thing to keep. Now I don't have those kind of emergencies. Because I, I am ready for a bigger emergency than I will ever come upon. And I've looked at, I love chargers. I love technology. I love everything about technology. I'm studying technology that won't come out now for another couple of years. I cover, I've already studied the batteries that are on the drawing board to replace the battery that's doing so well in your phone now. And these new batteries that are coming out are phenomenal, the things that they can do. I'm excited about these batteries coming out. And what they're able to do. But you know that you can get a power source now that you can carry in your purse, you can carry in your pocket, you can carry in your briefcase. And in that one power source is every cord that you need. You can have a cord for your Apple iPhone. You can have a cord for your C port charger. You can have a port for your, uh, uh, what is it, the USB mini. And you can have a port for a regular USB. You can charge it on a C and you can charge it on a USB A. And you can carry it around with you. No matter what it is, you can plug your phone in. Some of them will even have wireless charging. You put your phone on top of it and it will charge you wirelessly. I've even seen one model that has a solar charging capability. So that you can actually put it out in the sun. It will charge it up. All the cords are there. You can go wireless and charge your, your thing up. I mean, you can be set up. Did you know these kinds exist? I do because I love these things. You probably don't. I don't own most of those things. I don't need most of those things, but I like to know that they're there. <laughs> so if I can never find an application for somebody. Sometimes I talk to people and I find out their need. Oh, do you know that they make this for that? I don't need it. But you see, I found out about it because they needed it. And so I let them know this is what's out there for you. You can get this thing going on. And uh, of course, if you carry a portable supply and you don't have the right cord to go into your, your phone, then that's not going to help you. And uh, if anybody's been around me for a little while, if I know that you get into this sort of thing, I've let you know that there is a huge difference in chargers now. If you still have a charger from four or five years ago, you really should throw it out and get a new one. And they're not that expensive anymore. You can get a charger that... Uh, how many have a charger for your phone and it goes from what's called a USB-A into whatever your phone is? Now, a USB-A is a real wide one, right? Anybody not have one of those? That's what you got? Yeah, you should throw that out. You should get rid of that sucker. There is no reason for you to ever have that sucker around anymore. It's actually, if you have a newer phone, that's actually holding your phone back. Just just take, go home and throw it out right in the trash. Right in the trash. If you need help to find out which one you get, you see what you want. I don't care if you have an Apple and I don't care if you have an Android. Whatever phone you've got, the one you want is a C port charger. You do not want an A port charger anymore. A port chargers are, are uh, dinosaurs. Now, I have a C-port charger once I found these things out. I don't charge my phone overnight anymore. How many people charge your phone overnight? Yeah, you're killing your phone. Killing your phone. Don't need to charge your phone overnight anymore. How many charge your phone up to 100%? Yep, killing your phone. I don't charge my phone to 100% anymore. In fact, I actually have the phone programmed to stop at 85% if I don't stop it. Because my phone will last longer. The battery will last longer. Now, I'm not going to get into all those technical issues on it. But you see, with a C port charger, it goes from a C into my phone as a C. I can charge my phone from around 20% to 85% in less than 20 minutes. That's why I'm telling you, 
you're holding yourself back if you have an A-port charger. Your A-port charger cannot do that because the A-port can't handle the wattage. But the C-port handles a lot greater wattage. So what you basically have done is you have a phone with a C-port charger that can take a huge amount of power at the same time. They can take 40, 45 amps. And you are putting something on that will restrict it down to about 5. That's why it takes you hours to charge your phone. Your phone would charge a whole lot faster. But you slow it down because you put that on it. This is what happens with people in the Word of God. They slow down their understanding because they're not receiving the source. They're not increasing the source for which... If you increase the source of what you can hear from the Holy Spirit, you can increase how fast you recharge yourself from the Word of God. Some people, it takes them a long, long time to get recharged from the Word. Look at Jesus. Jesus went out and ministered how long? He'd minister and lay hands on people, healed all their sick, taught them, fed them, did all these sort of things. And what did he do to recharge? I mean, some of us, we look at some of the things he did in a day and we'd say, oh man, that would take me forever to recharge. He'd go away, pray for a couple hours, come back. Let's go, do some more. Remember that one time he was, uh, it's in the Word, he was talking about uh, disciples are wore out. They just heard about the death of John the Baptist and that was kind of taxing on them. They just ministered. Let's go, let's go away someplace by ourselves and recharge. And they go away someplace by themselves and this huge multitude comes, hey, heal our sick. And they said, all right, let's do it. And Jesus is ready. He, disciples are mad. <laughs> they don't want to do this. Jesus says, no, nah, come on, let's do it. And so he goes and he, after all that ministry, after all that stuff, he's recharged, he's ready to go. Why? He's, he's into a, a higher port charger. He's into understanding how to do things better. Don't hold on to the, to the past. Go on to something more. That lamp only holds so much oil. But you can get the supply to be larger. And understand, the more you can tap into the Holy Spirit, the more you understand the supply that is there, the more you can fill yourself back up. We need that oil. Ephesians 5.18. Understand what Ephesians 5.18 says. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. If you want to know what the Greek means on this, it means be constantly being filled with the Spirit. Be constantly being filled with the Spirit. That's a constant thing. This is not something that, well, I got charged up. No, you're not going to get charged up. You need to get charged up on a constant basis. That lamp needed replenishment regularly. It's not even fill it up in the morning and you're okay for the rest of the day. No, you had to keep getting in there and fill that lamp up. It would help you out. Now, verse 5, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Now, usually when you see they slumbered and slept, how many know that's bad? Yeah, but they all did it. They all slumbered and slept. So that tells me this is not a bad thing and he's not picking on them for sleeping. Otherwise, he would have shown us something different. The Amplified reads verse 5 this way. While the bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming, they all began nodding their heads and they fell asleep. While the bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming... They did not expect him to be this long. They didn't expect it to take this long for the bridegroom to come. They were thinking it was going to be a shorter time. That would mean that both the wise and the foolish thought he was coming sooner than he was. Despite that, five of them prepared for a longer stay, a longer wait. Now the I, I uh, left out an R in your next one. The length of his delay puts a strain on their supply, not a stain. And put a strain on their supply. He was gone for a while. How many times has it put a strain on you because you think Jesus should have come sooner? Oh, Lord, you don't know what I'm going through down here. I need you to come soon. It's putting a strain on you, right? Verse 6. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Weiss puts verse 8 this way. And those without forethought and wisdom 
said to those who were prudent, Give us at once some of your oil, because our torches are going out. Hmm. Those in need asked for those who were supplied to give them some of their supply. Now, you're a Christian. You've got oil. Another Christian is sitting right next to you. And they ran out. Should you give them some? Well, how do you know they're all Christians? Oh, that's easy. That's a piece of cake. Who are they waiting for? Bridegroom. How many non-Christians you know are waiting for the bridegroom? The only reason they're waiting for the bridegroom is because they had the news that he's coming. How many of you, if you were in this situation, would have given them some? How many never asked yourself that question before? Give us, I, I love how uh, Weiss puts this. Give us at once some of your oil because our torches are going out. Now the five foolish created the problem and then expected help from others. Does this sound familiar? Have you been around people who created a problem and then expected you to help them out? In fact, almost demanded it. The New King James doesn't put it that way, but Weist really gets into the Greek. love going to the Weist translation. When he translates this, give us at once some of your oil. Whose oil is it? Their oil. Give us at once. Come on, people come up to you. Give me at once some of your money because you got some and I don't. <laughs> Isn't that right? Give me at once some of your time. I need help and I need your time. Give me at once some of your time. I may have ever heard that one. And you can put all, put all kinds of things in there. People ask of you. Give us at once some of your oil because our torches are going out. Unwise, I, this is in my notes, it's not in yours. But unwise, unprepared, and usually ungrateful people try to make their own problems yours. Isn't that about right? Don't unwise people try and make their problems your problem? And generally, they are ungrateful. How many can attest to that? The people that have demanded you help them out are generally also ungrateful about it. They don't remember, I just helped you a month ago. Where's the gratefulness for that? Well, you should have. No gratefulness for it. So, should you let them should you let them demand of you and to yield to you? Now this, this parable is not necessarily going into all these aspects that we're getting into and I'll show you why I think we can. Now are the five wise showing kindness and helping? If the five wise were to help, would they be showing kindness in helping? Most of us would think yes. Are they being selfish and not helping? Most of us would think, yes. But you see, when we look at what is represented in this parable, the lamp, that's the Word of God. The oil, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not the first time he's used oil. Remember the Good Samaritan? He uses oil in the parable. This is the Holy Spirit. You cannot share what the Holy Spirit shows to you and all that well with other people. Until they get the revelation of it, you can... Ha well, think of it this way. How many of you have gotten a great revelation from God? God showed some wonderful things to you and you go to another Christian, you share it with them and they say, oh, that's nice. 
<laughs> right? Why does that happen? Because it is revelation to you. Terminology we used last week. It is revelation to you, but to them it's just realization. I just They just realize, well, yeah, okay, that's, that's good. But to you, this is revelation. Because it came to you from your spirit. Realization comes to your mind. Revelation comes to your spirit. It came to your spirit. And when it came to your spirit, it illuminated your way. For them, it didn't illuminate anything. They're not going to hang on to it either. You can give some of the Holy Spirit, pour that, some of the Holy Spirit is poured out to you. It's revealed truth to you. It won't be to them. It's in their, it's in your spirit. It won't be in theirs. It won't help illuminate their life. And to a person, these five virgins all said, nope, not going to share with you what we have. Now, all of them brought oil. But only some of what came with the lamp. All of them had some oil. But only some, the five of them had only what came with the lamp. The other five could not resupply what the lamp needed. I put it, I wrote it down this way. I put it to, to understand it this way. I got enough revelation to know to look for the bridegroom, but not enough to know him. There are Christians who got enough revelation to know to look for the bridegroom, but not enough revelation to know who he is. But the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. Wisdom sees the end at the beginning. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom sees this is where it's going. This is where I am. Wisdom says what's going on over here. Remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus had the ability to look ahead and solve the problem. That's what wisdom will do. Gives you the ability to look ahead. Now Jesus is given this parable. We might think that Jesus is being a little hard on these guys. Verse 9. But the wise, answer, the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. Well, how long of a trip do we need to go with the, with the, uh, the groom here? My groom, how, how far are we going? But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Now, if he came at nighttime, how many places are open? That doesn't seem to bother them. Weist puts verse 9 this way. And those who were prudent answered saying, No, lest perchance there should not be any means enough for us and you. Rather be going to those who sell and buy for yourselves. There are times that people ask things of you because you have a supply. You have a supply of time because you've managed your time. Because you have sown into God God has given you in the area of time. God has given you in the area of resources. You have things because God has blessed you because you have wisdom and you have prepared. Other people are not going this way. And so when they get in trouble, they come over and they want to get your supply. I want your supply of time. You have time. I need time. I need help. You have help. I need money. You have money. Whatever it might be. They want to tap into yours. But they decided, no, we're not going to do that because there's a possibility. Not a definite, but it might happen. We're not sure yet because we're not really sure how far we're going. But there's a possibility that if we gave some to you, that we wouldn't have enough to get through. Now look at this. What's more important to the five virgins who were wise? Is it more important to help out the needy or is it more important to finish the journey? It's more important to finish the journey, right? You know, there's a whole lot of people that are always going to try and tax you to keep you from finishing your journey. There's a chance we might not have enough. Sending people away to do what they should have done before can be very difficult. 
They should have done this before. How many of you have all been around people who have called on you for help, for whatever it might be? You know you should have done this before. Now, we were, we had somebody, this is years ago, most of the people were not even, uh, they were associated with that would be even be around. But there was a person, they needed help. They needed help moving. And we all knew. I knew. I knew it. We're all going to get there to help. And it's not going to be ready. It won't be ready. I know it. I know it. I even had a conversation. Keith was around then. And he and I, we had a conversation about it. You know we're going to get there. And it's not going to be ready. He said, yeah, I know. <laughs> we knew it. We tried to warn people about it. But, you know, we were prepared. We were ready for it not to be ready. And we got there and it was worse than we thought. <laughs> worse than we thought. We knew, well, we, we were in that spot. Somebody's in, in need. They have no other people to help them out. I guess we kind of have to. We get there, nothing is packed. No truck is rented. No other people are coming. And we have a couple of hours. <laughs> I remember Keith and I, we just looked at each other. We knew. <laughs> we knew. Now, all we did, we didn't get all upset, like, well, we have to get this. No, we didn't do that at all. We just said, well, let's see what we can do in whatever hours we got. We didn't put any more pressure on us than that. We agreed to come for this many hours. We're going to be here for this many hours. After that, <laughs> you have to sometimes walk away. We probably should have walked away for, from a lot more of it than that. I put this in your outline for you. It is not always wise to give your preparation away to the unprepared. I didn't say it's not always something that you should, shouldn't do. I'm just saying sometimes it's not wise to do it. Now here's a very interesting aspect of this. Verse 10. And while they went to buy, so they left... Now, can you imagine the story that's here? I mean, put yourself in that position. How many times have people come to you, they want help, and you say no, oh, okay, and they go off. I hear Lamar laughing. Does that happen? No, what happens after that? If you decide, no, I'm not going to help, I'm not going to give you money, I'm not going to give you time, I'm not going to give you help, and you say no, what happens next? The begging. But please, I have no one else. They'll put me out. They'll, uh, whatever, they'll, they'll tell you the doomsday result. They got, they want you to feel bad for them. They don't just go away, do they? Here in this story, they just went away. But you know that afterwards, there was some, there was probably some begging going on. And while they went to buy, so they finally decided, we're not getting any help. We tried everything we could. They're not giving us anything. We better go. The bridegroom came and those who were ready, Breast puts prepared, those who were prepared, went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. So while they're gone, that's when he comes. I don't think they had Wawa's there, you know, 24-hour place. You can go and buy oil. But they were probably going somewhere. Maybe they knew somebody. Well, I think I know somebody who's got some oil. They're going somewhere. If you found out that somebody came and asked you for help and you said no, and then you come to find out that not only were they truthful about needing help, but what they were trying to do failed because you did not give them any help. How many of you are okay with that? Jesus is. He's, a, he's, he's very okay with it. They have no difficulty with the end result. Those who didn't share with those who were unprepared, no difficulty at all. Now, 
when that call goes out, you get that call. I put this in your outline for you. I want you to get this one. It is your moment to be awesome. When that call goes out, the bridegroom is here and you have prepared. You have made ready. Now here he comes. And you have made preparations so that you could be there even though he delayed. This is your time to be awesome. <laughs> this is our time. You know, it's kind of like this baseball season. Baseball season comes up. It's kind of like the bases are loaded. There's two outs. And you're up to bat. If you're a Phillies fan, who do you want to come up to bat right then? Right then. If you got the bases loaded, two outs. If you are a Phillies fan, who do you want to come up to bat right now? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is good. Uh, Turner has turned it around. Yeah. How about Schwarber? I mean, there are a number of people that you could pick who could go up there and every single one of them has come through in that moment. I think even this last week, all three of those guys had come through in that moment. You're hoping for something and somebody smashes it over the fence or gets the hit that brings people home and the people come home and the game is won and people are excited. This is, this is your moment to shine. I didn't hear his name mentioned, but what about Bryson? Stop. I mean, that guy's just a hitting machine. He just keeps hitting the ball. He's, he's, been, he's been great. And you can go right on down the, the Phillies order and it just seems like, you know, even Brad Marsh is coming through and, you, and I don't watch them, but I do follow them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we mentioned them already. That's their moment to shine. This is their moment to shine. This is their moment to be ready. Five of them weren't ready. Five of them got up to the plate and struck out. Five of them got up to the plate and whiffed on the ball. Nothing happened. Here it is. This is their time to shine. Lack of preparation can cause that awesome to become awkward. Oh, how awkward is it to walk away from home plate after you just struck out with the bases loaded and two outs and instead of winning the game, you have lost the game. Oh, that's a... That's an awkward moment. And I put in your outline, and when awkward continues, it becomes awful. If you keep coming to the plate, two outs, bases loaded, or at least somebody on base, and you keep making the last out, what was awkward now becomes awful. It's awful. But look what happens here in verse 11. Afterward, the other visions came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. That sounds like they're pleading, doesn't it? Weiss puts it this way. And later there, also, there came also the rest of the virgins saying, Sir, sir, open at once to us. Hmm. They kind of expect the door should be open. Why? Well, we were here. We were waiting. Just like they were. We just had to go and get some more oil. How come we can't be let in? You should let us in. I put this note for you. People who don't know God often speak very brashly to Him. You ever notice that? People who don't know God, they know about God. They might know that He's coming back. But they often speak very brashfully about it. It's just not right. There's no humbleness. There's no gratefulness. There's no thankfulness for what He has done. God, you better do this for me. Look what I've done for you. Look how I've helped people. You better do this for me. Well, I think you already know. But let's see how... The father responded. 
But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. <laughs> I do not know you. All right, now when he brings this little bit of light in here, how much help would it have been for the prudent to have given some of their oil? Probably wouldn't have helped at all. It wouldn't have changed anything. If you can be made to feel guilty for not helping when it probably didn't do any good at all and it wasn't God's will and it wasn't God's desire for you to do that, who made you feel guilty? If the enemy can make you feel guilty and get you to do things, then whose voice are you yielding to? Whose leading do you follow? And you're not going to like this one, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Who is your shepherd? Who is the voice that you follow? Remember the other parable we looked at? My shepherd or my sheep know my voice. The good shepherd, the true shepherd, comes in through the gate. False shepherd comes another way. The gate is the word. We went over all that in the parable before. We need to become followers of the good shepherd. When you step out and help and give of your supply to people that God has not said give your supply to, you are not following after the voice of the shepherd. You are following after another voice and you are learning to follow that one. That voice is motivated by guilt. That voice is motivated by need. That voice, voice is not motivated by God. There's more. Everybody okay with it so far? Because it gets a little bit heavier. But he answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Amplified reads this 12 and 13 this way. But he replied, I solemnly declare to you, I do not know you. I am not acquainted with you. Watch therefore, give strict attention and be cautious and active. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. It may seem to us that these would have made it in if only the wise shared what they had. But this statement will tell you that is not likely. This is not addressed to those who have not made any preparation for Jesus' coming. That extra the in there from re rewording it. It's not addressed to those who have not made any preparation for Jesus' coming. Understand this. This is address is made of people who have made some preparation for Jesus coming. It addressed it is addressed to those who have not made sufficient preparation for Jesus coming. It is not enough to make preparation for Jesus coming. You must make sufficient preparation for Jesus coming. Lamps run out as the bridegroom comes, which means religion doesn't hold a candle when Jesus shows up. Because if you have the Word of God without the Spirit, you know what you have? Religion. Religion is the Word of God without the Spirit. That's what the Pharisees had. They had the Word of God without the Spirit what the Sadducees had. The Word of God without the Spirit. That's what so many people have. They have the Word of God, but they don't have the Spirit of God. So they fall into a place where they're trying to get to God by being good. By being not evil. And they can't make sufficient preparation because they don't really understand what the Word is asking them to do. And so these Christians come up with all kinds of things. Well, I guess if I just don't do anything really bad. Well, if I at least look for the Messiah to return, that should be good enough. That's not apparently good enough. Religion won't hold a candle when Jesus shows up. Without the Holy Spirit, flesh 
can get can get us to look like we belong, but in the end it will show its ineffectiveness. See, religion is just flesh. It's just people in their flesh trying to perform and look like what the Word says they should be. That's all. And they go around and they pretend. They try and have their words right when they're in front of the right people. They try and have their attitude right when they're in front of the right people. They try and suppress all those things. But then they let all that hang out other, other times. They think that's, that's okay. They think that's right. They don't understand what the Word of God teaches on this. Word of God doesn't teach that it should change your behavior some of the time. What's it teach? That it changes who you are. Because it changes who you are, your behavior changes. Because you're somebody different. You're a new creature. You're not the old creation anymore. You're a new one. You don't live like the old one. You live like the new one. Doesn't mean you have to be sinless and perfect. It just means there's been a change on the inside of you. No matter what we are given, our inward character determines our faithfulness with it. No matter what it is that God gives you. We'll look more into this later on. Whether He gives you a minor, whether He gives you a talent, whatever He gives you. Your inward character determines our faithfulness with it. How faithful you will be with whatever God has given you is completely determined by the character that you have become. How faithful have you become? How diligent have you become? How loving have you become? How hopeful, how peaceful, how joyful? That's the main criteria, folks, that we are judged on. Now look at this. All believed in the bridegroom's return. They all believed the bridegroom is returning. All were waiting for it. Only some were ready. So what is it that made them ready? What is it that made them prepared? Because if I don't know, I can get a little nervous. How do I know that I'm one of the five wise, not one of the five foolish? Knowing and waiting for Messiah's return is not the same as being prepared for His return. There's a big difference between these two. The main difference that you'll see between these two is what they sought and obtained before the bridegroom came. The main difference in this parable between the two is what they sought and obtained before the bridegroom came. Going after the bridegroom came was a little bit too late for that. If you help people Understand this. This is where you can get a little bit broader about an application. If you help people to not depend on the Holy Spirit's wisdom, you will keep them from being prepared in the day by knowing His voice and the voice of the shepherd. If you help people to not depend on the Holy Spirit, there's no reason for them to depend on the Holy Spirit if all they have to do is depend on you. As long as I can come to you and you can be my source, I got no reason to depend on the Holy Spirit. I have no reason to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. I just call up brother so-and-so. Sister so-and-so. They help me out. I don't need to learn to have a dependency on the Holy Spirit. I don't need Him to lead me and to get me prepared for things. And the devil loves when we step in here because we're keeping people from learning to depend on the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Now, the shepherd wants to prepare them for tomorrow. That's what the shepherd wants to do. But we can be hindering that purpose to get them past today. You can hinder the purpose of the good shepherd to prepare them for tomorrow because you want to get them past today. Most of the help that people have asked you for, you are only getting them past today. Just giving them enough help to get past today. But then tomorrow's coming. And guess what happens when tomorrow's coming? There will be another need. Why? Because they have shown they cannot prepare for needs that come. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has shown you at times. Don't spend that money on that. Hold up on that. Don't make that investment. Don't take that job. Don't do that thing. Why? He's preparing you for your future. Oh boy, am I ever glad the Holy Spirit told me not to go to that place, buy that thing, do that thing. Oh, if I did, 
I'd be in big trouble right now. But the Holy Spirit helps you. Because you learn to depend on knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit. You learn how to, how to learn it. And the shepherd wants to get you ready for tomorrow. He wants you prepared so that when tomorrow comes, you're ready for it. If you are constantly the source a person goes to, you stand in the way of them learning the real source, the one who supplies more than just their needs for today. I guarantee you, every single person who has come and asked for you to, for help over the last year, two years, three years, as far back as you think, I'll bet you every time you stepped in to help, you gave them enough for today. Right? You didn't give them enough for tomorrow. There's a good reason for it. Because if you gave them enough for tomorrow, what would they do? Come on, we can all say it. They'd spend it on today. If you gave them enough to help them with tomorrow, they would take it and lavishly spend on today. And that would make you what? That would make you angry, upset. So that's why we learn only take care of today. But God doesn't do that. God abundantly blesses us because He wants to take care of your tomorrow. And He wants you to learn that source. And God can do that. I think I put this in your outline. Wisdom is the ability to see the and understand the present and perceive the future it leads to for the purpose of acting in such a way as to prepare for or alter it. Wisdom is the ability to see and understand the present and perceive the future it leads to for the purpose of acting in such a way as to prepare for or alter it. How many times have you talked with people, you have some wisdom on cars, you're hearing a noise in the car, and you told them, that sounds like such and such. I would get that checked out, because if you don't, it could cause this, and that's a lot more expensive. Have you ever heard received that advice or given that advice to people? And the people did what with that advice? They ignored it. They had a problem with the car. And then they call you up, right? My car went, oh, what happened to it? Well, this happened. Oh, it sounds like that problem I told you that if you would have taken your car, you could have prevented it. Yeah, I know. I just didn't have the money to do that. But now, can you help me out with... Why? Because they're not operating in an area of wisdom. They're operating in just foolishness. Just take care of today. Now, as your pastor, I spend my time not getting you dependent on my prayer life. I don't want you dependent on my prayer life for you. You know, if you've been around here for a while, you know I will not get you dependent on, my, on me praying for you. I will pray for you, but I will not let you, I will not allow you to get dependent on it. Because I'll hurt you. I need you to learn how to depend on your prayer life. So I teach you how to depend on your prayer life. Because that's more important. There are some people that go around everybody's house. Well, I have a noise in my house. Oh, I'll come on over and cast out the spirit. I don't do that. Good reason for it. If you had a spirit making noise in your house and I went over and cast the thing out, what would happen when I leave? It come back, right? Why? Because you're you're not going to make them leave. You're going to keep calling up somebody else. You got to learn to be the tough guy, chase the thing out, and then the thing stays out. I'm not helping you out if I make you dependent on on me. My role as pastor is to get you ready for the fight, not to fight for you. Pastors who try and fight for everybody in their congregation wear themselves out. Because they're always fighting somebody else's battle. I'm not here to fight your battle. I'm here to teach you how to fight it. So that you can win. My role as pastor is to intrigue you. To study the word of God when you leave church. Not to give you everything that you need while you're in church. you got to go out there and study. My role as pastor is not just to give you the wisdom that God has given me. But to show you how to get it yourself. And to have your own supply. 
If I always made you depend on getting wisdom, having a problem come to me, I'll give you the whatever. No, I got to teach you how to go get that wisdom yourself. My role as pastor is not to cast sin off of you, but to show you how to overcome sin. A lot of times there's churches out there and every time that you come to the church, they're always casting the devil out of somebody, casting sin off of somebody, taking authority over that sin, and they get dependent on that. No, take authority over sin in your life. Learn how to do that. You'll live your life a whole lot better. I'm not here to fight your battles for you. I'm here to show you how to be armed with the armor that God has given us so that you can hold off, stand against the enemy's attack. It's not to be the voice of the Holy Spirit for you, but to lead you to know the Good Shepherd. That you yourself can know His voice. That's the role. See, if I do any other role, I'm not helping you. I'm not preparing you. If I do any other role, I am preparing you to be one of the five foolish who when they get there, they don't have the supply of the Spirit. They don't know how to tap into the voice. The way that you get to that door, the way that you get to that place when the bridegroom comes and he says, come in. The way that you get to that spot is by knowing the voice of the Spirit. And when you need wisdom, you receive wisdom. You have that tie. You have that supply. You bring your supply with you wherever you go. Otherwise, you'll be one of the five foolish. And every time that they have a need, oh, i got to go over here and find this person because they'll have some oil for me. I need to find this one over here. They'll have what I need. Go, go find this one over here. They'll have what I need. I don't ever want to know that I didn't do everything that I could to tap you into the supply of the Spirit so that you know how to draw off the Spirit. That when you were in crisis, your first thought is not, let me call Pastor Steve. Your first thought is, what does God's Word say? Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. That should be your first go-to. And when you do that, and the Spirit speaks to you, see, you've opened up your supply. And then you just tap into the Holy Spirit and you put some more oil in the lamp and it keeps lighting your way. And as soon as you need some more, you just reach over and you grab that supply and you tap in a little bit more. When you need some more, just reach over and get that supply and you tap in a little bit more. doesn't mean that you ever won't run into something that you don't need help with. But you see, how look at yourself. How eager are you to help people who have helped themselves? How eager are you to help them? They have done everything that they can do. They have stepped out. They have worked hard. They have done everything that they could do in the situation. And then you find out that they're, oh, I just I have a little bit more to do. Oh, I'm there. You can't wait. You look forward to getting over there and helping. You're helping somebody who is helping themselves. This is exciting. Holy Spirit comes along and helps those who ask Him to. But He comes along. Brother Rick was a wonderful one on this. I think we put it up there in the video teaching a long time ago. But he would talk about how the Holy Spirit comes along to help. He doesn't come along to do it. And I think he used the example that if you're going to ask somebody to help move a sofa, you don't have them come over and then sit down while they move it. That's not helping. That's doing it. Holy Spirit will come in. He will help you. He will come alongside, beside you. But He helps you in what you're doing. If that is how the Holy Spirit does it, then that must be the will of God. Is that right? If that is the will of God, then every time that we step into a situation and we take over the whole thing, we are not exercising the will of God. And we better start getting to the point where we can stand up and be like the bridegroom here, close the door, ah, let us in! Let us in! You need to let us in! No. That's God. That's God saying, no. Now you will notice something about this. Some of these times and when people have been unfaithful, when people have been found not to be measured up quite uh, that well, they get cast out in outer darkness, right? 
Something happens to them. Did you notice that in this story they're not cast out into outer darkness? Did you ever ask yourself why in this story are these people not cast out into outer darkness? Why if he says, I never knew you, why isn't their faith sealed? Why isn't it over? Anybody curious about that? Yeah. I've told you before, Jesus does not teach about the church and about the rapture. He's preparing these people for the end of the age. A lot of times we look at this parable and we think, the people at the end of the age, that'd be the five wise virgins, right? Who went into the feast? That'd be the five wise. Aren't they the ones at the end of the age? No, they are not. Look at how the end times rises up. We have the church age. What ends the church age? When Christ comes for his bride and is, enters into the feast, right? Which is what happens here. What happens on earth after that is done? What happens on earth when that's, uh, when that's all done? We enter into the tribulation. Who enters into the tribulation? The people who are not prepared to go in the rapture. See, a lot of times we read this parable and we think he's preparing us for the end of the age by the people who go on. But his purpose is to teach about the Jewish age. Of those ten people that are there, which of the groups of five are going to be here for the end of the Jewish age? The ones unprepared for the rapture. Isn't that right? Aren't they the ones that are left? So now, they can get themselves prepared. So that when he comes for the second advent, they didn't make the feast, but you know what? They can still make it in. They can still go on over. You remember it has been told? I love it when the scripture all comes together. Quote Hannibal Smith. I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when scripture all comes together. In the book of Revelation, something happens when the tribulation starts. Do you remember what that is? There are 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe, who turn their lives over to God. Why do they do that? I think it's this reason. I think it's because they were ready for His coming. But they were not prepared for His coming. And when they saw they got locked out, they said, we better make preparation. And they got themselves ready. And they became 144,000. That start off the 70th week of Daniel. Ready. So I look at this parable as being about the five foolish more than the five wise because he is preparing Jewish people and he knows they're not going to accept they're not going to make preparation they're going to know about me they're going to know about God they may, know, may even know about Messiah but they've never made that tie to the Holy Spirit when they go in I want them to be made ready and then we go on into the next parable but you need to understand this parable this is the one that came before it and then we go into the parable of the talents. Would you all stand up with me? We brought, we brought in this application mostly because this is the attitude of God. It does not always help people to help the way they want. Sometimes you've got to be a little tougher with them. And though the bridegroom was tough with these groups and he closed the door on them, he didn't cast them out into darkness. You can get yourselves ready. You can get yourselves 
on the other side. But always be ready. He even gives that warning at the end. Be ready. Be ready. Be drawing on the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure that I have made adequate preparation. So I'm always drawing on the Holy Spirit. I want to increase my tie-in to that source. I want you to increase your tie-in to the source of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit speaks to you. When a need comes up, you don't say, well, let me look at a need and see about my supply. No. What you do is you look at the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you think? Is this something that I should step forward to? Is this something that I should help? Am I going to be helping these people? Or am I being the Holy Spirit for them and keeping them from learning how to depend on you? Well, Father, I thank you for the wisdom that you give us and the help along the way. That you can bring us to a place that we can learn the source of our supply. We can bring that supply along with us that keeps our lamp burning, lights our way. We walk in the wisdom of God. That we are people that are prepared. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this look into this parable. This is worth a little uh, run into. There are some parables that we have skipped. Some of them I skipped because, well, we just covered this not too long ago. We have a teaching coming out. It's already up on the uh, uh, channel if you want to. Lisa Harper. She's getting to be one of my favorite speakers. I'm really enjoying her. I haven't, I haven't, I'm sure that there's some out there I may listen to. Maybe I don't like, but I'll tell you what I've been liking. She she covers a parable that we uh, didn't cover on this one, and she does uh she does a nice job with it. She kind of handled it much in the same way that I did. She doesn't spend a whole lot of time on it, but she gives you enough to to know um, when the man comes to the neighbor at midnight asking for bread for the neighbor. Well, she does a real nice job on that. And um, we kind of went over that one because I don't think it was too long that we covered it. But um, she did a, a real nice job with this. I think you will enjoy it. And um, some, she has some good stories. She does tell some great stories along the way. Hope you will enjoy this. There was another one, too, that I have of hers. And she tells the story um, of a very bad day for her. How many have ever had a bad day? I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've had a bad a day as this one that she described. She had a really bad day, and she brings all that out. Now, I don't know about all her theology. She calls herself Baptocostal, so it kind of tells me a little bit of <laughs> about where she comes from. But um, sometimes I hear people talking about their bad days, and sometimes their wrong or misunderstood doctrines get in the way. And I, she might have some wrong or some misunderstood doctrines from what you have come to understand. But don't let that get in the way of hearing what it is that she was, uh, what God showed her in some of that. Sometimes, you know, you listen to people, all right, well, they're not quite understanding the Scripture in that area the way like I do, but I can still hear some of the things that they say. So you may hear some of that. I'm not saying that Lisa will do that for you, but sometimes people will do that. Don't write off everything. Well, no, I don't, I don't want that. No, just uh, stay on back there and listen. Uh, that one's already, the first one I told you about is already up there. I'm probably going to put the second one up because when Lisa teaches, she's uh, she's done in like 35 minutes. She doesn't take all, all that long. Um, but she's uh, been wonderful there, so I hope that you will in, enjoy that. That will be coming up Wednesday. Pretty sure we're going to get all the way through Zechariah 14 this week. We had some uh, interesting things to get into. I put some of that in the bulletin. If you're not catching on these things, there is some uh, a lot of modern-day application.